Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast today. It's me, Rachel Wortman, as you would assume and guess. I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about today because I think this is one of the major silent killers to our faith as people who ascribe to the theology of Jesus as the Son of God, people who are trying to follow after him, and certainly people who are trying to become a disciple of Jesus or be truly a disciple where he is not just God to us, but he is our Lord and, in today's language, really our master. But we're going to be talking about hate and particularly hating ourselves or self-hate, which you may or may not have heard that phrase before. I remember the first time I heard the phrase self-hate when it was about 2011 or so, 2012 maybe, I guess it was 2012, and I was dealing with an issue with my thyroid. I had a mass, a tumor on my thyroid, and there was a lot of chaos going on in that time in my life. And I was desperate to see God heal me because I was absolutely adamant that I did not want to get medical intervention, mostly because I just didn't want to pay the money and I didn't want the needles and those kinds of things, if we're being completely honest. And so I came across this book that was an interesting read on the spiritual roots to disease. And this book is sort of like a take it with a grain of salt kind of resource. Some of it is really intriguing and interesting, although it's written in a way that kind of makes it sound like absolute truth. And I don't know that I believe that. But in this book, there's a glossary of hundreds and hundreds of diseases. This particular ministry has seen God heal regularly and the patterns of spiritual roots behind these diseases that this ministry had found. So it's sort of like their private study, which is another reason why we sort of take it with a grain of salt. So, of course, I, without reading the book and reading the scripture that backed up any of the things that were in the book, I got my hands on it and went to the glossary and went straight to thyroid issues. And I found the page that thyroid issues were talked about. I opened it up and there was a little paragraph about the thyroid on there. And it says sort of absolutely black and white, thyroid issues are the result of self-hate. This was my introduction to this term. And I read it, and I immediately felt offended. And I thought to myself, I don't hate myself. At this point, I had a pretty good self-confidence about myself. I really, you know, didn't know there was too many things that I would immediately be able to say I absolutely hate. Or a better way to phrase it was, I wouldn't have used the word hate. I would have used, well, if I could change it, I would. But, you know, the word hate is kind of a no-no in the Christian world, at least in the circles that I was running in. And so I shut the book and I sort of thought, I don't know if this is for me. As time went on, I couldn't get this out of my mind. Do I hate myself? Could this be? What is self-hate? 
For those of you that are wondering, the idea behind where they get this spiritual root is because all autoimmune diseases are essentially the body attacking itself, and so they make the connection that there must be some sort of self-hate happening that's sort of teaching your body to attack itself. Now, that might be true in certain settings, but I also know that it's not always true. So if you're dealing with thyroid problems, this is not me telling you that 100% this is your issue. For me, I really just had to set that aside and discover it as God brought that into my life. But here's what happened. I began to realize, though I wouldn't use the word hate, there were plenty of things about me I did not like. In fact, if someone had come to me and had Aladdin's lamp and it really did have a genie in it and the genie really would do three things for me, two of those three things would be changing some of the things about me. They would be, make me this or that, change this about me, I want to be more like this. And as God began to probe in my heart, he began to show me that essentially I was hating myself or rejecting myself. I just didn't want to use the word hate. But what I've come to learn, especially as a pastor, is if we don't if we don't allow ourselves to be honest about the true emotion that we're feeling, then our breakthrough is well, it's harder to get. Meaning if we're really hating someone but we keep calling it frustration, then we're not really asking for forgiveness on the hate because most of us, especially if you grew up in a Christian or a conservative context, you kind of know already that hate is not something we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to feel this way. So when we do feel this way, we don't know what to do with it and we typically repackage it into a more palatable emotion. But I'm just going to be really honest with you because we're friends and I love you. If you hate someone, then you hate them. And if you want to get to a place of breakthrough in your ability to forgive them, it starts by owning up to the fact that you don't just dislike them, you actually really hate them. And this includes ourself. If we're struggling with accepting who we are, then one of the things that's helpful to do is to recognize if this is true for you, it's not just that I don't like this part of me. Maybe I actually hate that I'm this way. But I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, if I was to admit that, that would feel so intense and I wouldn't know what to do with it. Well, that's kind of the point. Because when we call a spade a spade, when we actually acknowledge this is what I'm feeling, then the Holy Spirit in us begins to rise up and we begin to want to do something about it. Could this be where the enemy is working? Could he be trying to convince you that you don't really hate yourself so that you won't actually acknowledge so that you won't truly get a breakthrough? Of course, I hope that you're sitting here and thinking, you know what, Rachel, I don't hate myself. In fact, I love myself. I'm the bee's knees and virtual high five to you. And I hope that's what every one of us are thinking. But I know that that's probably not true for the majority of us. Why? Because hating ourselves is something that we do internally. We very rarely admit to anyone that that's how we feel. Why don't we admit it? Here's why. Because every one of us has a moment where you said to someone in passing or in frustration, oh, I hate that I do this. And, or I hate that I'm like this, or I hate that I look like this. And then you were met with this sort of blanket oh no, don't feel that way about yourself kind of response. It almost lacks empathy. It almost lacks personal connection. It's almost like 
you know, an affront to you're not supposed to feel this way and I don't know what to do with you if you do. And so we've, we've gone through a couple of those experiences. So we just bottle it all up and we've told ourselves that no one needs to know how I really feel about myself. I heard this interesting quote recently from somebody that wrote a book and this is what the quote said. When we don't know who to hate, we hate ourselves. It's interesting because when we don't know what to do with hate, when we don't know what to do with our intensity and anger, especially if we're in evangelical Christian circles or conservative Christian circles, then we really do have to channel it somewhere. And I think more often than not, it gets channeled towards ourselves when it really should be released to God. Even Jesus himself said, in your anger, do not sin. What is he saying? He's saying hate is an emotion that we all feel. We are actually designed to feel hate from time to time. Just don't let it lead you to sin. Don't let it lead you to saying something you don't mean, to acting out of your anger instead of the perspective of heaven, etc. My hope for you is that you don't hate yourself. My hope for you is that you love yourself. But if you're in that journey where you're trying to discover that, I want to kind of talk about that a little bit because I've been in that journey too. After I read this phrase and kind of became familiar with the idea of self-hate, I really came to the point where I had to recognize that I had some areas where I hated myself. I didn't want to say it like that. In fact, it's still hard for me to admit that because it just feels wrong. But the truth of the matter is, like I said before, if I was given a genie in a bottle, there were things I already knew, like premeditated answers that I could say on a drop of a hat. Yes, change this and this and this. What God did for me was he led me down a path of learning how to love myself. And my advice to you would be to be yourself. But here's the thing we don't often talk about. How do you be yourself? And how do you figure out who yourself actually is? Like, how do you know who you are so that you can be that person and be okay with them? The short answer and the cliche answer is it has to come from God. But that is the God's honest truth. It has to be God that begins to show you. So let me tell you about something that happened for me. I used to tell the Lord, oh, why did you put me in the family that you put me in? Now, Let me just say, I love my family. I genuinely do. I'm close with my family. I enjoy them. I like spending time with them. I talk to them regularly. So this is not about that, but just sort of the, you know, the, the byproducts of different career choices and and whatnot. And I would say to the Lord, oh, why did you put me in this family? And I would think to myself, if I had been in a different family, then I wouldn't struggle like this, or then I wouldn't, you know, whatever, which is an easy way to deflect ourselves from actually dealing with our pain but that's another podcast. So I would say that to the Lord. One day, God and I were spending time together. We were sitting together and I was journaling. And I talk about two-way journaling in a previous episode, but basically just writing out my thoughts to the Lord and then giving him time to respond to me. And so on this particular day, I was saying to God, I was sort of lamenting and saying, I wish I had been from a different family. And this was, you know, there's pain in my life because of this. And, and surely it wouldn't be there if I was in another family. I'm going to pause this story to let you know that every single family story has pain. There is no family, even the best families you know, that escapes family pain at some level, okay? So just know that the grass is not always greener. 
So picking back up in my story, so God showed me this picture. And in this picture, it was a little bit like a vision, so it was moving. I was taken into this room. The Lord led me into this room, and it was a giant room, like a huge warehouse kind of thing. And it was just lined with little baby cribs, the kind that you put the baby in when you're in the hospital and you have a newborn. Like they have the clear sides and everything. Just lines and rows and rows, hundreds of baby cribs. And I could see God the Father, and he was walking through this little room. I wasn't a little room. He's walking through this warehouse and he was looking for something. The look on his face was intent. You know, when you're shopping for that particular brand of salsa and the entire shelf is salsa, right? And so you're focused, you're scanning, you know exactly what you're looking for as you scan through it all. This is what God was doing. And he was looking at all of these babies and he came across one And he looked down at this baby and this delight came over his face like, yes, I found this one. And he scooped up this baby and I realized it was me. And he handed this baby down in the picture to uh, the earth and, and put it, this baby into my mother's arms. And this was me being selected for my family. And I was flabbergasted. I realized through this vision, through this moment with God, that there was intention in how I ended up in the family that I ended up in. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, if it's true for me, it's true for you. There was intention. Now, here's the rest of the story. So I was struck. I actually began to cry. I was confused. I was perplexed. I was processing emotionally the reality that before I was even born, God had chosen me to go to this particular family in this point in time. And then the Lord said this to me, sometimes you focus so much on the difficulties that I placed you in that you've missed the blessings I gave to you. And what he was saying was this, and he began to unpack this, but I'm not going to use those exact words. Essentially, he was saying, I knew I placed you into an element of difficulty. I knew I placed you into a family where there would be some pain, but I also gave a part of myself to you that other people don't get when they're given into other types of families. He said, I gave you a part of me. And what you need to focus on is how I never left you, how I was with you the entire time. And essentially, what I know to be true about my life is one of the things God called me to was to redeem my family line. Now, my father is Jewish. He gave his life to Jesus about 15 years ago, 14 years ago. But he comes from a long line of Jewish family members. In fact, through a series of random events, he was connected with a historian who had been researching his family line. There's actually a documentary on the BBC in England about this family line, and they've traced it back to 1790, and every single generation was Jewish. And all intents and purposes, it goes back even farther than that. What does this mean? In my father's line, I am the first believer. I am the first person to truly give their life to Jesus. That comes with a significant amount of weight, right? Hundreds of years of patterns that God wanted to redeem and and elevate. And he wanted to do that by putting a little baby he had selected into my parents' arms. Listen, this is not unique to just me. This is your story as well. I don't know the details of why God chose your family, but I know that he did. And if your family was a place of difficulty for you, you need to begin to see 
what God had apportioned for you as well, that he was strategic, not only in understanding what you would go through, but in providing something on the back end. And if you haven't stepped into that provision, I encourage you to do that because your ability to love yourself is on the other side of you embracing who God is for you in the uniqueness of your family and the uniqueness of your genetic design and the you know chromosomes in your DNA. God was strategic in how he created you. You are a part of a long line of people that God is looking to redeem and elevate, to bring his will in an even greater measure into your family line. This applies to all of you. So how do you be yourself? How do you even figure out who you are? It starts with going to the Lord. God, what do you think about this about me? Lord, why did you make me tall? That's a question I asked for years. Lord, why did you make me, you know, really interested in media and TV and visual storytelling and not in reading and all these kinds of things? Why why did you make me that way? Lord, what brings you delight about who I am? God, which parts of my personality bring you the most joy? Lord, when you look at my physical being, what do you see? Do you see all of the flaws? Do you see my incessant need to shed those last five pounds? Or do you see someone who is beautiful and what do you see? How do you learn to be yourself? Well, you have to get that from God. So my best encouragement to you today is to begin to embrace who you are, begin to embrace what you look like, how you sound, the way you think, your interests, your hobbies, and make a decision to stop comparing yourself against other people and decide that it's okay for you to be who you are because God wants you to be who you are. This is my absolute prayer for you. For me personally, I've overcome uh, my perception of my body image. Of course, my body today, after five pregnancies and uh, lots of stress eating in my life, certainly doesn't look like it did when I was, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. On a side note, isn't it hilarious that, at least for me, all of my best looking years were wasted on my worst mentality. Like I had the grossest mind, the most insecure mind, but I looked the best on the outside. And now I have a really great mind and outwardly, I don't look like I used to. And it's so funny to me sometimes when I'm like, man, all of my best years were kind of wasted on having no ability to embrace that with confidence, but whatever, that's me. So for you, I'm hoping that you are inspired to go deep into yourself, to embrace who you are, and to truly reject self-hate once and for all. So let me pray. That just seems like the right way to end this episode. God, I just pray for every person listening that they would have an encounter with you, a revelation with you, that would lead them to understand themselves on a deeper level. Holy Spirit, I pray that the little hiccups that have been in them all these years, the little childhood moments, the moments of wounding, and the the places where they feel deep in their soul that they don't measure up, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you go to those places and begin to bring your perspective to begin to heal those places in our hearts and to help us to not only embrace who we are, but actually know who that person is is. Father, we love you. We thank you for making us the way that we are. And we acknowledge that though there was intention 
even in frustration in how we were chosen and created, Lord, I pray that you would give us uh, an, an, an awareness and an ability to see your strategic wisdom in the midst of all of that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.